Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Um, look, it is my privilege to introduce Margaret this morning. We had a book for 2020, but I don't know what happened in 2020. But I said, can you come in 2021? She can. I just want to say there's a great quote that says, Life isn't measured by what you achieve, by what, but by what you overcome. And this woman has overcome a bucket load. And I want to say, we honour you, Fred, because once you hear Margaret's story, you're going to really think Fred's a great guy. And, um, <laughs> but she's an international speaker. So she could be anywhere in the world, but this morning she's in Newcastle. How good is that? So give her a hand as she comes and honour her this morning. Good morning, church. Can you stay standing for a minute? Can you stand just for one more minute? I'm going to stand the whole time, so you can hang on a moment, yes? Are we good for that? Um, I don't need another meeting. I'm sure you don't, because that's not what it's about, is it? We're going to meet with Jesus, and we're going to be changed, and we're going to be challenged. Are you up for that? Good. So can you pray with me? Hand on your heart, because that's where the issues flow from, and pray with me. Jesus, today, I want to be challenged. I want to be changed. I want to be more like you. You're more than able. And I want to be willing. So let's do this. Amen? You may sit down. How fun is this? I just want to honor your pastors. I know you will always be. Um, It's such a privilege to be here. I don't take it lightly. I never take any platform lightly, especially now. (laughs) It's like, oh, you're real people. Hello. This is so good. You're real. You're here. It's not a Zoom. (laughs) I'm sure that'll be fine. There you go. See? Um, I love the theme that you've got. It's it's what God wants. It's, It's hope. It's hope. It's what God wants. In this world, there is a famine of hope. There's a famine. People are desperate for hope. Because when you look at the news, when you talk to people, they're like, is, there, is it ever going to change? You know, and it was great to be in Newcastle because Sydney's back to masks. <laughs> so we were very blessed yesterday. We came up and we sat outside. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> this is perfect. Um, but I want you to know that this Bible works. Yeah. It works. Yeah. It really does. Because, you know, you can think, oh, yeah, I read mine. No, this works. But like good deodorant, it has to be applied. You can have the best deodorant on your shelf. If you don't apply it, you will end up smelly, especially in this country. Because we need it. But you have to apply it to the situation that you're in. And so I want to say to you right at the beginning today, God's going to move. And, you know, let's respond. Let's be in that place where we say yes. Because it works. And hope is a very real thing. And I love it. In the Bible, it says, um, in Romans 4, 8, it says, against all hope. Don't you love that? I love Abraham. Abraham, against all hope, he hoped. And some of you today need to hope against hope. You know, against everything. You know, he wasn't, he looked at his wife, he's like, hmm, it's not going to happen. Jesus, you missed the moment. I can remember feeling like that at 50. You know, God had promised me he'd use me to travel. And at 50, and I, we lived in England, we pastored a church, and I hadn't traveled. I'm like, well, Jesus, you missed it. You missed it. I'm menopausal now. I won't know what plane to get on. <laughs> So you've missed the moment. So I relate. I, you know, against all hope I hoped. And he has 
by his grace and his mercy and his love taken me around the world since I told him he couldn't. Um, but hope is the feeling that what is wanted can be had. Don't you love that? What are you hoping for today? Because Abraham, against all hope, he hoped. He hoped that it could happen. And he stayed there. Abraham, in hope, believed and became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he looked at Sarah and he's like, hmm, I don't think so. But and maybe you're looking at your circumstances today and you're saying, hmm, I don't think so, Margaret. Nice for you, but I don't think so. But you know, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Jesus is going to do for you what you need him to do. But sometimes we just have to ask. We have to just declare it. I loved um, when we said that you have to just say it when you said, just say it. You have to declare it. It's a faith declaration. You have to say, I am going to do it, even when it looks like it's impossible. Who's facing impossible situations right now? You're just like, Margaret, I need, I, it's an impossible situation. Where are you? Yeah, up, stand up on your feet. God's going to give it to you right now. Faith is in this house. This is a faith house. We believe Jesus. And why do I get you to stand up? Because it changes your state. It's a faith statement. And as you stand to your feet, all in the message, in the passion, it says, Jesus looks over heaven's balcony. He's looking over the balcony right now. And he saw you stand up and he's like, there's my girl. There's my man. You know, there's my man. Look. And he goes, dad, look. And he's like, I know, son. I know, son. So if you're standing, put your hand on your heart and pray with me. Jesus, today, I bring my hope to you. My situation that to me looks hopeless, I give it to you. And as I stood, I received faith for it. So Father, right now, fill me with faith. Amen. Did you receive it? Those who are sitting, can we clap these people? It's a very brave thing to do. Well done. Good God, he's got you. He saw you. So just, I want you to know that he saw you stand and he understands the heartache and he understands the journey and he's with you in it. And you will see what only God can do in your situation. He is on your case. You are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How good is God? Um, so I know it works. You know why I know it works? This is the drive-through um, version of my story. Um, my mum was a manic depressive. My dad was an alcoholic. I was abducted off the streets of London and sexually abused and abused by lesbians over a long period, then abused by a family member all before I was 11. I ran a brothel in London in Paddington with my brother. We used to change the sheets um, every half an hour. I knew all the pimps and, and all the people and could have been caught into that industry. God knew me even before I knew him. And you may be here today and you don't know Jesus. Well, I just want you to know he knows you. I took a massive overdose at 16. My brother was working away. My mum had already left my dad and I became her carer. And um, my brother was working away uh, Monday to Friday. His job got cancelled on the Wednesday, came home and found me. I was very cross. I thought, I can't even die in peace. But God had a plan. And, you know, when I came home from the hospital, I thought, I'm just going to live to annoy everybody. And I've done a very good job. <laughs> A very good job. And not, after, not long after that, I met this amazing, amazing guy. You know, this is the 60s. I'm 71. You know, I grew up in the 60s, and I met this amazing man. And, you know, as, as women especially, this is Mother's Day, we can look great on the outside, and inside we can be really, really not there. Have you ever had, you know, one of those really red apples, you know, the ones that you polish, and then you bite it and it's yuck? Well, that was me. <laughs> 
I looked okay on the outside. I was not all right on the inside. But this very brave man married me. <laughs> very brave. Um, we have one daughter. If you're pregnant in the house, put your fingers in your ears because I'm not normal. Um, I, when I was pregnant, I was epileptic, diabetic, lost my hair, lost my teeth, and they found out I had four kidneys. These are my teeth. I bought them. Um, and they said I wouldn't live past 30. And, you know... And then I was sterilized when I was 21, no more children for me. That was a heartache, which grew into something that became a huge issue. You know, I was so afraid Fred was going to reject me. He's one of eight. We wanted 11 children because it's a football team. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Um, and here we were. I felt like I was just a total failure. So, um, you know, insecurity and fear can take you down a journey that God never intended you to have. And today is your day to let it go in Jesus' name. Um, and so... Long story, very long story short, we got divorced. If you're divorced today here, we love you. And if you know people are on the journey, can you be kind? And if you've got nothing nice to say, close your mouth. Um, and so we were divorced. And it's really important, church. We've got to learn to love people and every journey that they're on. Um, on the, I got breast cancer on that when we were divorced. Fred came home. Um, we ended up going around Europe in a camper van because we knew lots of Australians and that's what they did. You know, they went to London, they got a camper, and they went around Europe. Well, we, so we did that. We got saved on an American airbase. My daughter, Fred, and I all got saved together. We got, came home, got remarried. Um, how good is God? Yeah. The Bible works. He restores. Yeah. I've done the breast cancer journey twice, and I'm still here. Um, and God is good. My, I've written a book called Healed and Whole. Lots of people get healed. They don't get whole. They just don't get whole. And only Jesus can make us whole. Only Jesus. And we need to turn to him this morning in hope. Abraham, against all hope, he hoped. And, you know, when, I, when we got saved, I talk about, I got saved, I needed to be saved from myself. Because I can be my own worst enemy. Because I can tell myself I can't do things. Anybody else? You know, oh, I can't do that. No, Jesus says you just don't want to. I'm like, yes, that's true. <laughs> Because he wants us to be in that place where he can use us every single day. And he wants to use you. Some of you are disqualifying yourself. Some of you are like, oh, no, not me. Who are you? Just raise your hand and say, Margaret, I do disqualify myself. I think somebody else would do that better. I used to be like that cheeky, I know. You know, you look and you go, oh, somebody else would do that much better than me. It's a lie. And a lie has no power except that you believe it. And, you know, when you get hope back... You're like, I can do this. But you have to restore hope. You have to come back to hope. Hope is something you have to keep coming back to. You have to come back again and again and again because till you learn not to disqualify yourself. Because we need us all to be doing what God has called us to do, especially in this season. So who disqualifies themselves? You know you do. Yeah, up on those lovely feet. Up you get. We're going to shake it off today. Shake it off because it's one of those things you kind of carry. But you have to just shake it off. Come on, shake it. Shake it off. Get rid of it. You don't need it. It didn't come with it. It's not God-given. Where did you get it from? It wasn't from God. So shake it off. Come on, get rid of it. Okay, ready? We're going to pray. Put your hand on your heart, gorgeous, amazing people. And pray with me. Jesus, forgive me for disqualifying myself. I am qualified in you. And I will do what you've called me to do. In Jesus' name. If you're sitting down, can you clap these brave, amazing people? What's your name, lovely? Rhonda, you are very brave.
You are very brave. You are so brave. And Jesus wants to hug you, and I'll have to do. Okay? You are brave. You are strong. You are able. And he loves you with a passion that kept him on the cross because he saw you and me coming. And he's going to heal, and he's going to bless, and you're going to see your dreams come true. You are not forgotten. That's what we do, church, isn't it? We love people. Amen? Even when they're in that place that need a cuddle. It's good. Good pastor. Love it. So, you know, that whole thing of disqualifying ourselves takes away our hope because we start to think, oh, I don't even need to hope because someone else can do it. You know, I worked at Hillsong College as a trainer. When we came to this country, um, Fred had never been to Australia <laughs> and we moved here. <laughs> um, and when we came, you know... Uh, I thought I was going to do one thing. Anybody else like that? You think, oh, I've got a plan. <laughs> and then Jesus said, actually, no, that's not what you're going to do. And, you know, in my, I was 59, and I had to totally retrain. And I'm like, Jesus, it's not funny. It's really not funny. And he said, I said, I'm too, and so I was at college for seven years. I retrained, got my uh, TAE, and became a trainer. Seriously, Jesus, what, what were you thinking? And he said, I kept saying to him, I am too old for this. And he said, I'm not ageist. Be careful you don't pick up what the world says about us. Because God is not ageist. And we have got caught up in age. Age is nothing to Jesus Christ and definitely nothing to our father. Look at Father Abraham. You know, would have been disqualified totally, wouldn't he? Be like, sorry, missed it. But God's not like that. He's a God of hope. He's a God of challenge. He's a God that takes us on a journey. And so when I resigned, um, I said, okay, Jesus, I'm ready to go preach now because I would preach as soon as college finished, I'd be on a plane. And he said, Margaret, I don't need another preacher, thanks. I'm like, well, you could have told me before I left college because it pays the rent, seriously. And he said, I need a minister. And you know, we are all called to minister. We are all called. You don't need a microphone to love people. You don't need a platform to love people. You need to choose to love people. It's a choice. And that defines me. In Deuteronomy 30, I haven't given this verse to the guys, but Deuteronomy 30, it says, see, I set before you a choice. Life or death, blessing or curse. And it's not that you'll die if you're visiting. It's not that you'll die. But your dreams can die. And some of you in this room have got dead dreams. Your dreams can die. But it says, see, I set before you a choice. Now choose life. When you choose life, you kind of bring your dreams back to life. And I want, after this service, I want you to think, what have I done with my dreams? Some of you, you know, I can remember praying a prayer, Lord, make me a dreamer for your kingdom. Plant in my heart heavenly desires, not just the earth stuff. Um, and we have to keep going back to them and saying, Lord, your word says, I love what you said. It's about the Bible that works. This is what the, you have to line your life up with what it says. And it says we can hope, but we need to choose to hope. We need to choose to be like Abraham, to stay on the path. And in Psalm 40, I love this. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Oh, there's my first miracle. <laughs> you know, patience is a fruit. Mine falls off the tree. <laughs> Ask Fred after. No, don't. <laughs> if 
But, you know, I waited patiently for the Lord. You know, so often we, we miss it because we're not patient. I've watched, I've done it. I've missed the moment because I didn't wait long enough. It's all right, Jesus, I'll do it for you. You're obviously busy. It's okay, I can deal with that. You're far too busy. Let me carry that for you. And he's like, uh, no. I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me. He's turning to us. His face is towards you today. He turned to me and he heard my cry. Some of you have been crying out to the Lord and you feel like, Margaret, I'm crying out, but I'm not, I'm not getting it. I don't feel it. Well, feelings are not facts. But sometimes we live as if they are. We honor feelings. They're there. But we don't live by them. Or do we? I don't always feel like getting up. <laughs> Especially early. We watched the sunrise today. That's a miracle in my life. <laughs> I'll stay up with you till two in the morning. But the mornings, <laughs> nonetheless, you know, patiently turned to me and he heard my cry and he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. And he gave me, a, and set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. And he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to my God, that many would see and fear and put their trust in God. You know, all of that is him. Can I read it again? He lifted me out. He put my feet on a rock. He put a new song in my mouth. It's all about him. But I don't know about you, but I used to be fiercely independent. You know, if you want a job done well, do it yourself. Of course, there'd be nobody like that here. But it doesn't say, Margaret, you know, get yourself out of your slimy pit. Here's a rope ladder. Get up when you like. It said he lifted me out. I love that he'll lift us. And some of us need lifting this morning. We need lifting out. Slimy pit is such a, a, a graphic description of anything. But depression, doubt, fear, insecurity. I'm over Christians who are insecure, just so you know. I'm over it. I'm really over it because I was desperately insecure and I'm over Christians still being insecure because really what we're saying, and this is the revelation I got, Jesus said to me, Margaret, why are you still so insecure? And he said, what you're saying is I, I did a good job on the cross, but it's not quite good enough for your insecurity. Oh, I got on my knees and I repented because that's what we're saying. But I know that insecurity is like a snare like fear of man is a snare. Have you ever seen a snare? It's horrible. I love that the Bible is so descriptive. It doesn't say fear of man's a bit difficult. Fear of man's a bit of a nuisance. I don't mean you men. I meant anybody breathing I was afraid of. Um, and so, you know, the Bible says that he'll lift us. But will you let him? Independence is one of those things, and insecurity is one of those things that we think we have to deal with. But on the cross, Jesus took all our guilt, all our shame, all our insecurity, all our doubt, all our fear, all our sickness, all our diseases. He took it all because he is Lord of all. Amen? He's Lord of all. Come on, church. We've got a lot to be excited about. He's Lord of all. And we need to be in that place where we say no to insecurity. We say no and let him lift you out. So if you're here today and you know insecurity is one of those things that when you want to be like Abraham, I want to hope against hope. Yeah, but what if? Who are the what if people? Yeah, what if it doesn't work? Well, what if it does? Just what if it does? What if it does? So I want to ask you, do you want to keep your insecurity or are you going to let go of it today? You know why? Because insecurity is a bit like a blanket. It's a great excuse not to do things. I'd love to do that, but I'm far too insecure far too insecure 
I'd love to go and talk to those people, but oh, I'm far too insecure. I'd love to reach for that in hope, but oh, no, I'm far too insecure. But this Bible works. Jesus paid the price. So if you know today that insecurity and independence, <laughs> independence, he didn't say get yourself out. He's like, let me lift you. Let me lift you. Who's a bit weary of trying to do it themselves? Yeah, come on, up on those feet. Shake it off today, come on. You know, when I preach my grandson, um, I've got four grandchildren and three great-grandchildren, and my grandson is a, he's 22, and he's like, when my nan preaches, I'm up and down all the time. I'm up and down the whole time. I said, so you should be, because we want to be, you know why, when this started, you know, let me deal with this first, and then I'll tell you. Look, insecurity and independence will keep you where God doesn't want you to be. We need to be totally dependent on him. Thank you, sir. He, he sees you today. He really does. And he knows the journey. And he knows why. Don't, this is not a stand-up because. This is a stand-up because he's worth it and you're worth it. And he wants to take you where you haven't been. He really does. He wants to stir that hope up in you. He wants to remind you of the promises that are yes and amen in your life. And your independence and insecurity and anything else that was in the way today is, is gone. As you stood up, I, I hear chains falling. I hear chains falling. In the spirit realm, I hear chains falling when people stand. God is doing something today that unchains people, that sets the captives free. And we don't just read it, we live it. Anybody else want to join them before we pray? You know, independence needs to be dealt with, or you know, insecurity does. Don't waste this moment. This is a God moment today. Up on those lovely feet. Yeah, well done. Well done. Let's not miss it. Listen, if I was giving out money, you'd run to the front. This is more precious than gold. This is, this is far more precious than anything you could go and spend. You're going to spend this in your life, and people's lives are going to be changed because we are secure, and we're not independent. We're totally dependent. Are we ready? How exciting is this? You're so amazing. Eight o'clock in the morning on your feet. I love it. Hand on your heart, amazing people. Pray with me, Jesus, today. Forgive my independence, my insecurity, or anything that stops me from believing you. I want to be what you want me to be. And as I stood up, I believe the chains fell off. I will depend on you. In Jesus' name. I receive the faith and the hope and the truth to live it out in Jesus' name. If you're seated, can you clap these people? Yes! Heaven is cheering. Listen, if church is boring, it's because we are. Jesus is not boring. He is so not boring. And, you know, that whole thing of, in England, um, football, I don't know so much about sport here, but in England, um, they're stands. You know, they're called stands because people used to stand. That's why they're called stands. People stood. But they used to fight. And so they sat them down and made them passive. And the church has been sitting down far too long. We are not called to be passive. We're not called to sit down. We're called to make a stand of faith, a stand of hope, and a stand of truth where the world needs to see us standing in our faith, secure in the knowledge that we're loved and chosen and not rejected. Amen? Imagine what that could look like. Imagine going to work to, you know, tomorrow and people saying, where have you been? Hmm? Heaven. Just hung out with Jesus for a while and I came back. Because he's here. Let your kingdom come on earth 
as is in heaven. And I want us to be those people who just know who we are in Christ. Because we walk differently, don't we? We talk differently. And hope is our language. You know, when people say things to us, yeah, I'm still hoping for that. Not, not, oh, I never got it. Jesus must have been busy. No, no, no. Hope and faith. Faith is what pleases God, yes? But faith is the things not yet seen. I don't need faith for a Bible. Praise God. We live in a country where you can walk around with the Bible freely. But I do need faith for what's written inside it. For the things that we haven't seen. And I believe there's going to be a rise of faith today. I believe there's going to be a rise of hope and truth that will change our world. I really believe God wants to do something in these days. That Newcastle will be saved. That people's lives will be turned around. That prisons will be emptied. That marriages will be restored. That the truth will set captives free. That your, your shadow will heal the sick. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You know, we're born again, yes? If you're not, your moment's coming. Um, you're born again. You're baptized in water, or you will be. And you're baptized in Holy Spirit. That's it. That's it. I don't know what we're waiting for, church, because that's it. We run our race now with what God has put in our hands, and we say yes and amen. And can I remind us, we're supernatural people, not, not a building. The building's not supernatural. How it got built is supernatural, but we are supernatural. We got saved supernaturally, yes, can't save ourselves. Got baptized in water supernaturally, yes, otherwise you just got wet. And we get baptized in the Holy Spirit supernaturally. But we are called to live supernatural lives. And we can do that. When people are saying, oh, it's not going to work. Oh, I've got hope for that. I've got a faith rise. You know, we lived here and it was impossible to buy a house. And our daughter, um, was, they were going to buy a piece of land and, and build. And um, I said, okay. And they said, come and look at houses with us. And Fred's like, no. <laughs> no, we're going to have lunch. Uh, anyway, we went. And they said, look, we'll buy a bigger plot and we'll build, do you want to build in the garden? Like a, a little house in the garden. And so we didn't have the money. But I had a faith rise. And we need to let our faith rise to the top of our circumstances. So we had a faith rise. And so I said to Jane, yes. Fred's looking at me like, what? I got in the car and he's like, why did you say yes to Jane? We haven't got that amount of money. I'm like, I've got a faith rise. And two weeks later, Fred's sister, beautiful sister, died and left us exactly the amount for our house with six English pounds left over. God can deal with a faith rise in anybody. He can deal with a faith rise. Where's your faith today? Are you let it, ready to let it rise? You know, if, if I asked you if faith one to 10, where would, your, where would yours be? And if it's a five, I wanna challenge us today, what would you need to do to get it to a six? If your hope, one to 10, is a seven, what do you need to do to get it to an eight? You know, we don't just kind of give our life to Jesus and then take it back, do we? No, we don't. We just keep running the race. We keep moving towards the goal, and the goal is that we become like him. And he's here today. And some of you are going home and you're going to celebrate. Others of you are going to go home and it won't feel like a celebration. Maybe you'll feel like you're going to look at the loss. But Jesus is still the hope and the anchor of our storms, whatever situation we're in. So go home with hope and faith in both pockets. And then, then the challenge comes, give some away. Give some away. Don't be those people who just have hope 
and keep it to yourself. And don't be that person who has faith and keep it to yourself. I want to challenge us, church. What are we going to give away this week? Some of us can give a smile. Tell your face you're saved. You've got nothing else to smile about. Your name is written in the book of life. You can smile. And especially us women, it says in Proverbs, she smiles at the future. She, so do I. I just think, oh, Lord, that's what it's about. It's smiling. And you know, the world needs to see a smile. It really does. You just smile at people now and they're a bit shocked. Like, what have I got? All right, she's smiling. Do I know her? Just smile. God's going to do it. But you know, the most important prayer we'll ever pray is one we're about to pray. And it, you know, my mum knew all about the Queen of England. She had every book we could ever, every time it was Mother's Day, what do you want, a book on the Queen? You know, every birthday, oh, another book on the Queen. We would search high and low. Um, and she knew all about the Queen. She knew her favorite tea, her favorite biscuits, her children's names. She'd never met the Queen. You can know all about Jesus in this room today and never have met him personally. But he's a personal savior. He's a personal Lord. He's a personal relationship, amazing, graceful savior. And he's here for you today. And I want to ask you, do you know about him? Or do you know him as Lord? And he is a simple but profound prayer away. Truly, it's such a simple prayer, but it changes our eternal destiny. And if that's you today, say, Margaret, you know, and sometimes if you've been in church a while, you think, oh, I thought I was. You see, my mom, I had the privilege. My mom was a manic depressive. And at 73, I had the privilege to lead her to Jesus out of a mental institution. She came off all her legal drugs without a headache. And I said, Lord, give me one year to get to like her. <laughs> you know, God can cope with your honesty. People can't, but God can. And she graduated to heaven at 92. We had 19 years of building good memories because that's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. But I had to hope against hope. My mom was a lost cause as far as the world and the doctors had said. But she chose. So I had the privilege to lead her to Jesus. But she thought she was already there. And so sometimes we think, oh yeah, I'm, I'm good, I'm going. Well, there's only one way to know that you know that you know, and that's accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. So I want to ask you, do you know him, not about him? Do you know him personally? And he's here with a very open-hearted invitation. And if you say, Margaret, I, I thought I did, but I'm not sure right now. Or maybe you did and you know today someone's brought you into church and you are far from him, but he's standing here with arms open wide saying, come home, I love you, with a passion that kept me on the cross when I could have got off and called a legion of angels to take me. I stayed because of you and me. So if that's you, just raise your hand right around the room right now. Just say, yes, Margaret, I just want to know him. I want to come back to him, the fullness of his love and mercy and grace. I want to be in that space where I can say yes I can join the baptisms next week. I can run my race. I can actually walk it out. If that's you, just raise your hand right across the room and we're all going to pray a prayer together, not on your own. We're going to pray all together. He's here. I just want to wait a moment because I think sometimes we can rush and just think, hmm, where are you on this beautiful journey called life with all its funny moments and all this, you know, when we pastored the church, we did two churches at one time. And we pastored a church in London and a church outside of London. 
And one of the, the people, her dad was a psychiatrist, and he said, if someone had this, this, all the things that I've been through, where would they be? And he said, either dead or in a hospital. And she said, well, she's my pastor. Because you know what? Against all hope, I hoped and God restores. And today, if you know that you need to know Jesus, just raise your hand and say, yes, I need that restoration power. I need that truth. I need to come home to Jesus. Okay, we're gonna pray this prayer together. Jesus, all together, come on. Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you you died for me. Thank you rose again. I wanna be a Christian, a follower of Jesus. Help me to be a good one all the days of my life. Amen. Heaven is cheering. Now, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe first time for a long time. Make sure you don't leave without talking to one of us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to make sure that we can help you on the journey. You know, we said coming here, we would never have found you without a GPS. We wouldn't have found you. But this is the life's GPS. It takes us on the journey and we need each other to help each other to stay on the journey. So we want to help you do that. And then I'd just like to pray for those who know today Margaret, I need a fresh anointing. Anointing is smeared with ability of hope. And I, you feel a bit hopeless over any situation at all. Just stand up. God's going to anoint you right now. Just stand around the room and say, I need a fresh anointing. I need a fresh. I had last week's anointing, but you know, I need today's fresh anointing of hope for a situation that's out of your control for a situation that you know, that you know, that you know without Jesus isn't going to turn around. And he is the hope giver. And I'm going to pray for you this time because you have been so faithful to stand. But put your hand on your heart as I pray for you. Jesus, I honor these people standing and I thank you for them. And we declare an anointing of hope over their lives, over their family, over their jobs, over their finances, over their circumstances, over their bodies, over sickness, over disease. We declare hope and faithfulness of Jesus Christ to be their portion in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Now, take the hope, put it in your back pocket, okay? Hey, don't, go, don't, don't let it drop out. Just take it in your back and go home and unpack it, amen? Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for every home and family represented, for every mum, for every woman. And Lord, we ask that your kingdom would come, your will would be done, that spirit of the living God, you would fall afresh on us. We need you. We need you to do your will is our desire. So anoint each and every home, every life, and let us be hope carriers to a world that needs it. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, love you, church. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit mccroylifechurch.com.au.